Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Standing with me just a moment longer. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord here today. Amen. I, uh, it's an honor to be able to stand before you this morning. Amen. And preach to you today. I want to direct your attention to the book of Acts, chapter 10. To the book of Acts, chapter 10. Thank you to all of our volunteers, our children's church volunteers, and our musicians, and singers, and greeters, and amen, everyone that gives and helps and contributes. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord here today. I've been praying for our service this week, and as we have been starting or kicking off our series on the supernatural, amen, there is a story, a testimony that has just been in my heart, and I've shared it with this church on a few occasions, but as I was praying, I could not get away from this, from this story, this testimony, this message that I want to share with you today. Sometimes when you preach, you just, sometimes you just want to, Lord, let me preach, just give me something, anything, Lord, just let me preach, God, give me a direction and a guidance, and Sometimes when you pray, you just really feel that God just makes things clear. And so I want to be obedient to what I feel God has put in my heart this, this morning. And so I want to preach from Acts chapter 10. I'll also be taking you to Psalms chapter 91. And I want to build some faith today. I want to encourage you, amen, that whatever you're going through, wherever your limitations are, whatever challenges, struggles, or trials that you may be encountering, amen, that God, amen, he's got all resources, all means, and all power and authority, amen, to get you the victory today. In the book of Acts chapter 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, and he was a centurion, amen, centurion or century or a hundred. He was a leader over a, a, a hundred soldiers, and it was called the Italian regiment or the Italian band, amen. And it says he was a devout man. Everyone say he was devout. He was one who feared God. Everyone say feared God. Even his household feared God. Amen. And so who gave alms. He was generous. Say it. He was generous. And prayed always. Say he prayed. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And so he said to him, your prayers, your alms have come for a memorial before God. God has seen your prayers. God has seen your desires. God has seen your faithfulness. God has seen your good works. And so therefore now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Why? He's lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. Ah, God's seen what you're doing. God's seen your best efforts. God's seen you trying. God's seen you working. God's seen you giving it everything you have. But God wants you to know, God sent me. I'm an angel of the Lord, and God has sent me to tell you that in order for you to accomplish or to receive what you've been seeking in your best efforts, 
You're going to need some supernatural direction. You're going to need some heavenly perspective. You're going to need to hear the words of the Lord of what you must do. I want to read one more portion of Scripture. Psalms 91, verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. Amen. Amen. How many want the Lord to keep you in all your ways? Amen. Why don't we just put our Bibles down and why don't we just lift our voices, lift our hearts. I'm going to preach to you after we pray on this simple subject. When the super meets natural. When the super meets natural. When the extra meets ordinary. Let's lift our hands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your help and your grace. Thank you for your mercies, your strength. Father, I pray that you would just give us your heavenly help today. Minister to our hearts and to our minds, I pray. God, let us just have faith that you are you are able, God, wherever we are and whatever we're going through, God, that you're going to make a way. God, we give you glory. We give you honor. And we ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Amen. When the super meets natural. Amen. There was an old minister that worked on a message in his office late into the night. Jeremiah, if you could bring down just a little bit in these monsters. Thank you. How many thankful for Jeremiah today? Amen. <laughs> there was an old minister that worked on a message in his office late into the night. And finally, at a certain hour, his wife came in and asked him why he was working so hard. She said, there will be so few people there to hear you. Why are you working so hard? And he looked at his wife and he responded and he said, Oh, you forget, my dear, how large my audience will be in the morning. Because even beyond just the members of our church, when even just a few people gather together in the name of Jesus, he says, all of heaven pauses to worship with them. I mentioned on Wednesday evening as we kicked off our our series, our midweek series, and we had such a great crowd on Wednesday night. And so thank you to all of you. I want to encourage each and every one of you to make it out. But on Wednesday night, I shared some information according to a CNN poll that about 70% of people say that they believe in angels. About one half believe that they have their own guardian angel. About one third of American adults say at one time or another that they have had a personal encounter with an angel at one point or another in their life. While the majority of Americans still believe in some type of angelic influence, we can't look to the popular opinions, the entertainment, or just what's out there in the world today to get our view, our perspective, to, to get our understanding of what angels are, but we need to rather look to the Word of God. Amen? We need to look to God's Word, to Scripture, because the Bible has a lot to say about the subject of angels. We see that there are plenty of scriptures that reference angels. In fact, some 300 verses of your Bible in both the Old Testament and the New Testament deal with the subject of angels. But with this talk of angels, as we kick off this series and as I preach to you today on this subject, I want to just tell you right off the bat that there are just at least two dangers, two warnings in God's Word that come when, it, when we begin to approach this very interesting and important subject. The first warning that the Bible gives us in reference to studying, thinking about, 
the subject of angels is found in the book of Colossians. It's in Colossians where the Apostle Paul warned some in the church who would get caught up, if I can say it that way, into the subject of angels. They get so obsessed and intrigued and consumed with the subject of angels that they begin, as Paul would say, to worship angels. And as a result, they begin to lose sight of Jesus Christ. They become detached from the source. They become detached from the creator. They become detached from the leader of the host of heaven. And they begin becoming obsessed with and worshiping not God, and his, but not the creator, but his creation. He says in Colossians 2.18, Let no one cheat you out of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. I want to tell you, although we are looking at this biblical subject and we are gleaning faith and encouragement from the topic of angels, I want to tell you that we don't ever lose sight Amen. Of, of the creator of all of the angelic hosts of heaven. I want to tell you that angels are created beings, but God is the creator. He's the one with all power. He's the one with all authority. And Him is whom we look and worship and put our faith. The second warning that I find in Scripture regarding angels is that not all angels are sent from God. I want to tell you today, Angels are as real as the people sitting next to you. But I want to let you know this morning that not all angels are angels of light. And the danger that comes with discussing the topic of angels is that the scripture teaches that even Lucifer, who would become Satan himself, who led a third of the host of heaven's angels as they were cast into this rebellion and cast out of God's presence, and is this day busy, to this very day busy, deceiving and stealing and killing that which belongs to God, that not all angels are angels of light. And so the scripture warns us that we have to be discerning, we have to be careful, we have to be mindful, for there are deceiving spirits in this world at work to deceive and to, and to disorient God's people. It was Muhammad of the Islam faith that was spoken to and visited by an angel. An angel of light, as he described. It was a Joseph Smith of the Mormon faith that claimed that he was visited by an angel of light. There are deceiving spirits in this world, just like there are false teachings and false religions. And, and those religions come from some spirituality, but we have to be discerning in this last days, as Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. But if even we, if even if we, Paul said, referring to himself or his apostles, if we are even an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which we have pre been preached unto you, let him be accursed. In other words, I don't care if you see an angel. I don't care if you see a demon. I don't care if you see a fancy preacher. I don't care if you see something slick and entertaining. I don't care if it's the biggest church in the community. If they come preaching any other doctrine than that which has been preached already by the apostles in God's word, I want to tell you, Paul said it like this, let them be accursed. I want to tell you today, we've got to exalt Christ, the creator, over the creation. We've got to exalt the Word of God, the Apostles' doctrine, over even the most appealing messages of God's servants, even an angel of light. I want to tell you, in this last days, 
as more and more deception begins to overtake this world, that it's in these days that God's people need to bear down and buckle down and stand on God's word. So we got to be careful, Connection Point Church. we got to test the spirits to see whether they are of God. But I don't want to give the impression this morning that all angelic activity is somehow evil or bad. Because that is certainly not what the Scripture teaches. So this morning, I want to turn my focus from angelic deception to angelic assurance. Because the overwhelming majority of our Scripture that deals with the subject of angels does so in a positive fashion, a powerful light. Because the Bible depicts angels as God's ministering spirits that are sent from heaven to the earth to do God's bidding. In fact, the majority of the verses that deal with angels describe angels as differently, diligently rather, working in the lives of believers. They are sent to help us. They are sent to hold us. They are sent to protect us as we walk through the trials and the tribulations of life that God dispatches His heavenly host on our behalf to hold us up and to encourage us along the way. There's a psalm writer that said, For He shall give His angels charge over you to keep thee in all your ways. It was Peter The Apostle Peter that was visited by an angel while he sat in that prison cell to stand by his side as he was in that midnight prison cell to shine a light around about him and to lead him out of that prison cell unto his deliverance. God sent an angel to do that. It was the pool of Bethesda that God sent an angel to this pool to heal the infirmed and those who were sick. If they would just simply step into the water at the, at the churning of the water that God sent an angel to heal whosoever would step into those troubled waters. And it was Jesus himself who said, he declared that the angels of heaven stood ready and waiting to rescue him from Calvary's cross if he would simply say the word. I want to tell you this morning that angels are sent to help us, to guide us, and to accomplish the supernatural things that God would want us to accomplish in this life. And even when we don't have the strength in and of ourselves, and even when we don't have the wisdom in and of ourselves, and when we don't have the money or the resources or the financing, even in and of ourselves. God can dispatch His heavenly host. God can send His angels, His ministering spirits, His helpers to to go to war and to help on our behalf. God has a way of meeting us at the point of our need. So we find this story. Just hang tight, folks. I know you got your mind on brisket right now. But just hang. Hang a while, you're here. It's here in the story that we find in the book of Acts, chapter 10. We find the story of this man by the name of Cornelius. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture because it's so telling and so powerful in that it depicts for us, it shows us a type of person. You see, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, he was a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a leader of men. He was respected and he was feared and he was leading a hundred men. And the Bible says not only that, but in verse 2, he was a devout man who feared God with all of his household. Furthermore, it says of this man Cornelius that he gave alms generously to the people, that he was generous. He gave. 
He supplied for the needs of others. He wasn't just thinking about himself and his needs, but he was looking out for those in his community. And furthermore, this man, Cornelius, prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. He said, Cornelius, he said, when, he, said, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and send for one Simon, whose surname is Peter, and he shall tell thee what thou must do. You see, it's here in this portion of Scripture that Cornelius was a depiction of a type of person. That Cornelius was a devout man. That Cornelius feared God. That Cornelius, his household feared God. That they prayed always. That he gave generously to the people. That, that he was fasting and that he was doing everything he knew within his natural means and limited understanding to live a life that was pleasing to God. That was uh, live a life that was a blessing to others. And to live a life that would serve his family and his community. And, and God saw this man Cornelius and all of his good works and all of his morality and all of his natural efforts and ability and God saw the diligence and devotion of this man and the Bible says that God sent him an angel. He sent him an angel to tell Cornelius what he must do. I want to tell you here today that the story here is an important story because it reveals to us a truth about God. I want to tell you that in the economy of God that there is only so much and so far that we can go in our natural and human abilities that our human efforts and our human goodness and our human morality can only take us so far. But in order for us to make an impact in the kingdom of heaven, in order for us to make an impact in the supernatural, in order for us to make an impact in the kingdom of God and in the spiritual realm, I want to tell you there are some things that we cannot accomplish in our natural human efforts, but only with a supernatural touch of God. I want to tell you that in these last days, what we need more than good strength and good talent and good ability, and I thank God for all that, what we need more than anything is a supernatural favor and move of God like never before more than anything what we need is God's presence God's favor God's help God's strength God's healing God's power God's purpose I don't know about you but I need a touch from heaven today I want a move of God in my life today you're not going to impress God with your abilities. You're not going to impress God with your good looks. You're not going to impress God with your good works and, and, and everything you got going for you. I thank God for all of that. But what I want to tell you today, in order for you to accomplish what God wants to accomplish, we got to take our natural abilities, our limited resources, our limited understandings, and we got to align ourselves with the supernatural power from God. It was Zechariah. Scripture says in Zechariah chapter 4 that an angel of the Lord came and delivered a message saying in Zechariah 4, 5 through 6, Knowest thou not what these be? And he said, No, not my Lord. And he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. 
What I want to tell you today is when we don't have the strength and when we don't have the ability and when we don't have the talent and when we don't know what to do and when we don't know where to turn, it's not going to be by your power. It's not going to be by your might. Even if God gives success, it's going to be by His Spirit. It's going to be for His glory. It's going to be because He made it come to pass. So I want to tell you here today, that as angels intervene and God sends His heavenly host to intervene and assist in the lives of God's chosen people, I want to tell you that the ways and the means and the methods and the resources that God sends His people is unlimited. That wherever you are and whatever you're going through and whatever needs you're, you're, you may have in your, in your life, I want to tell you God's, God's uh, storehouse is unlimited. God can meet you where you are. God can reach you where you are. God can get you where you need to go. God can surround you and bless you and help you. But I want to tell you that in Scripture there are at least three specific ways and three specific scenarios that I see God dispatching His heavenly host in order to help his people. The first one is what I want to tell you is, what we'll say is when you're in the battles of life, when you find yourself waging a war that you feel like you cannot win on your own, when you find yourself fighting and scratching and clawing to get the victory over situations, over an, an, an enemy in your life that you don't think that you've got the ability to overcome or to defeat on your own. I want to tell you that when you find yourself in the battles of life, that God has a heavenly host of angels just waiting to fight your battles for you. It was in 2 Kings chapter 6 that we find a story of a prophet by the name of Elijah. The Bible says that he had been used by God to foil the plans of the Syrian king. And so as a result, this king sent spies to seek out Elijah. And when they had found where Elijah was, the Bible says that they surrounded him with horses and with chariots. And these Syrian soldiers were getting ready. They were preparing to defeat and to capture God's prophet. So the Bible says that instead of surrendering to the armies of the enemy, instead when Elijah's servants saw that they were surrounded by their enemies, they began to panic. So the Bible says in verse 16 that he answered, fear not. Elijah spoke a word of faith that I want to speak to you. He said, fear not for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee. Open the eyes of the servants that they may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. And what I pray here this morning as we enter into a season of spiritual battle and warfare that when you find yourself in the middle of a battle that you know you don't have the strength to win on your own that God would open your eyes with fresh faith and understanding to get you to realize that if you have aligned yourself with the purposes and the plans of God, then greater is he that is for you than he that is against you. That there are angels, there are resources, there are help, that there's a heavenly host that's just waiting to fight your battle for you. I want to just tell somebody today, you may feel lonely, you may feel discouraged, you may feel down and disconnected, you may feel like a fish out of water, but I just come with a word from the Lord today to tell you, God 
God's got you right where he needs you. God knows what you're going through. God knows how you feel and what you see. But what I've come to minister to you today is a little word of refreshing and an encouragement. Open the eyes of your faith. Open the eyes of your spirit. There's more for you. God's leading you and guiding you. And he is going to fight your battle. You're not ever alone when you're on God's side. You're not ever defeated when you're fighting in the Lord's. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, somebody today, you feel down and disconnected, but I want to let you know God's got your back. God knows what you're going through. His hand is on you, and more that are for you than against you. You see, He is the commander of the heavenly host. This word angel in the Greek simply means messenger. And these messengers, these angels act on behalf of those who, whom God sent them to act on. They are God's messengers. They say and they do something on His behalf. They are called the holy ones of Scripture, the sons of God, the heavenly hosts. This word host simply means an army, a multitude. And it's these angels that make up the foot soldiers of God's heavenly army. And as flames of fire and as ministers of God, they are sent from heaven into battle to fight on your behalf. And just like Elisha prayed for his servant, that his eyes would see that they're not, that there are more with him than against him. I want to tell you that right now we need to to open our eyes to go to warfare and realize that we've got the victory through the name of Jesus that God is going to fight our battles that God is going to give us victory that God is going to get us to where he needs us to be it's not going to be easy Warfare is not always fun. It's not always easy. In fact, even though God gave Joshua the land, he had to defeat 31 kings before they could settle into their promise. And sometimes you got to fight a little. Sometimes you got to be a little patient. Sometimes you got to work. Sometimes you got to go out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you got to step out by faith. But I want to tell you if you will fight, God is going to fight with you. If you will go, God is going to go with you. If you will speak up, God is going to show up. If you'll just know that God is going to fight your battle. So the angels of the Lord are with you when you're in the middle of the battle. But that's not all. I want to tell you the next occasion that I see in Scripture where we can be assured that we will have a heavenly help is not only in the battles but in the storms of life. I want to tell you there's something about when God's people find themselves being beaten and battered by the trials and by the tribulations of life. That God cannot help but release His angels to aid and guide them in their adversity. It was in Exodus chapter 23, 20 that God gave His people a promise saying, See, I am sending an angel ahead of you, before you, to keep you in the way, to bring you into a place which I have prepared. He said, If you're following after my will, no matter how hard the journey may become, no matter how Weary the wilderness travel may seem. I want to tell you, no matter how difficult the terrain may be, if you will follow my path, I'm sending an angel ahead of you. He's going to guard you. He's going to be along with you. 
And I got a word for you today. He's going to get you to a place that God has already prepared for you. Come on, don't get weary. Don't get discouraged. I know the storm winds are blowing. I know the rain is falling. I know the, ain't, the, the, the devil's trying to make a fuss to tell you the storm's going to overcome. But I, in the middle of the storm, I want to let you know God is sending an angel before you to get you to the place that he's prepared for you. It was an angel of God that came to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27. As the storm was tossing his ship, beating it and battering it. When all of the men on this, this vessel that Paul was traveling to Rome to stand before Caesar had lost their hope, the Bible says. That Paul had a heavenly visitation. When all hope seemed lost. Hear me now. And in verse 3 he says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. And this angel said something to me that I want to share with you. I know it looks like the, the boat's getting ready to go down, and it will, but I got a word for you. Fear not. He said, Fear not, Paul, thou must stand before Caesar. Lo, God shall spare all of these who are with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be done even as it was told to me. In other words, God had a destination for Paul to arrive to. Paul had a divine appointment with heaven for heaven to meet with Caesar, to share the gospel in Rome, to, to write the book of Rome, and to give testimony before the most powerful man in the world. And it was a divine destination. It was a divine destiny. It was a kingdom connection that God had appointed for Paul. And, and even though the storms were blowing, and even though the vessel was getting ready to sink, Paul says, God said, I got an angel for you, Paul. And the angel said, Paul, even though the ship may go down, and even though the storm is raging, and even though the winds are blowing and it seems like all hope is lost. All hope is not lost. Paul, I'm going to get you to the other side. And all the men that are with you, not one hair on their head is going to be lost. Because when you're serving in God's army and God's got a place and a purpose for your life, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what storms may blow. God is going to keep you. God is going to help you. And God is going to get you to where you need to be. So the angels of God are with us in the battles. The angels of God are with us in the storm. And what I want to share with you today to tell you is that not only are they in the storms, the trials, the tribulations, and the battles of life, but when God's people would just simply call upon His name, when we call upon the name of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you there is an angelic influence that begins to come into your life. We acknowledge that angels were present with Elijah in the battle. We acknowledge and understand that an angel was present with Paul in the storm. But there is a third type of angel, particularly in the Old Testament, that is different from the others because from Abraham to Zechariah, hear me now, over a 1,600-year period, there is one particular angel that appears to God God's people in significant moments. It's not unusual for holy angels to be present in the lives of God's people, but there is only one particular angel that was referred to as, get this, the angel of the Lord. 
He first appears in the 16th chapter of Genesis. When Hagar was in that desert, Abraham had sent Hagar out, the mother of Ishmael. And she had been sent away from the presence of Sarah. And as Hagar and Ishmael were wandering in the wilderness, it was the angel of the Lord Jehovah who comes and speaks prophetic words of comfort. Moses said later on that this angel that met with Hagar was Jehovah himself that met with Hagar in the wilderness. We find this angel of the Lord later on with Moses as Moses had a similar experience when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a burning bush. But Exodus chapter 3 verse 4 says that Jehovah himself had called Moses out of that bush. You see, time and time again, particularly in the Old Testament, it was the angel of the Lord that is identified with this masculine pronouns. In other words, he's referred to as an angel sometimes and as God as other times. He foretells future events. He defeats entire armies, including 195,000 soldiers on one occasion. He performs miracles like he did in Judges chapter 6, but with this particular angel in the Old Testament, this angel of the Lord, there is a mystery. Because he appears time and time again over the course of 1600 years of biblical history from Abraham to Zechariah. But from the birth of Jesus Christ forward, that angel, the angel of the Lord, is never seen or heard from again. After being around for thousands of years and after the incarnation of Jesus Christ, why did the angel, this angel of the Lord, suddenly disappear? It is a mystery, but there is a clue in Scripture in Judges chapter 13. The Bible says a man by the name of Manoah, Samson's father, this angel of the Lord appears to him and tells him that he's going to have a son and he names his, to name his son Samson that he will be a Nazarite from birth. And in Judges chapter 13 verse 17, Manoah says, What is your name that when your words come to pass we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord responded to Manoah saying, Why do you ask my name? Seeing that it is wonderful. It was this clue regarding the wonderful nature of the name of this angel that was a mystery that showed up only in the Old Testament that we find in Isaiah chapter 9 when the Bible says that for unto us a child will be born. That in the fullness of time that God shall, that, 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 that a child shall be born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Why do you ask my name? Seeing it's not yet been revealed. It, it is wonderful, but it's a mystery. But what I've come to preach to you today is that theologians agree that this angel of the Lord was actually Jehovah appearing at sundry times and in diverse manners until the day that he decided to manifest himself fully in the flesh as the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. No longer an angel or a messenger to appear here and there, but now he was the young baby that was seen by Joseph. He says, you're going to name this child Jesus because when he does, he shall save his people from 
their sins. I want to tell you today that when we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are calling upon the, the leader of the heavenly hosts, that we are calling upon the name that has all power and authority. And whether you're in a battle or whether you're in a storm or whether you're in a trial, that when you call upon that name, that name that is above every name, that every knee shall bow at that name, that every tongue shall confess at that name, that there is healing in that name, help in that name, comfort in that name, support in that name. When we call upon the name, we receive that heavenly help and that host. I want you to stand with me today. Because wherever you are and whatever you're going through, I want to tell you that your natural resources, your limited abilities, do not hinder you from having a supernatural breakthrough and a supernatural victory. As I close today, I can't help but share the story that I've shared with this church on a few occasions of a pastor and a preacher by the name of Roy Barnhill. This pastor was pastoring in a community called Lumberton, North Carolina in the 1980s and 90s and 2000s. For 40 years, he served a congregation. We have Pastor Barnhill's testimony on our podcast as he shares of a story of a testimony that he had early on. A church just like this in Lumberton, North Carolina. This young couple came to take this church and at the time he said he had, I believe, 13 voting members on his, uh, on his church, 25 on Sunday attendance. He said they didn't have the money, the resources to do a whole lot, but they gave everything they had to grow that church. They would do outreach and they would knock doors and they would invite and they would do everything they could to get the church to grow. And for years, they could not grow that church. He said they went from 25 and after several years, they got their congregation up to about 40 years, but they couldn't seem to get past that point. So he said that he began to have prayer meetings and they began to have a, a Saturday to Sunday morning 12-hour prayer chain and he said he and his wife began to take the hardest watch which was from 2 to 3 a.m. and he said one Sunday, one Saturday night or Sunday morning as they were meeting at the church, he and his wife to pray, he said he was in the church on the platform calling upon the name of the Lord, praying and asking God, saying, God, there has got to be a way to reach this community. There has got to be a way to reach this town. Lord, if it's possible at all to have a book of Acts revival in this church, God, let me know how to do it and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. This pastor, Roy Barnhill, in Lumberton, North Carolina, said as he was praying that prayer that God began to speak into his spirit, the words, my angels never die. He said as he was praying over this, that God began to quicken in his mind the story of Cornelius. And the angel that God sent to him 
And God spoke to him again and said, If you will ask me, I will send that angel that I sent to Cornelius to your town. So he said he began praying for the next several moments and even through the duration of that hour that he began praying, Lord, if that angel that came to Cornelius is still alive, you said angels never die. And if that angel that you sent to Cornelius is still alive, God, I pray you would send him to Lumberton, North Carolina, God, to reach this community. Lord, we need revival. Send that angel. Lord, send that angel. Send revival. He said they left that prayer meeting, he woke up the next morning, he preached, they went home and that that next Monday they were in a department store, he and his wife and he said as he was checking out at the register getting ready to leave that next Monday, he said the woman at the register looked at him and she said are you that pastor from that Pentecostal church? And He said I am He said, have you been with us? Have you visited us? And she said, I've never been to your church. But she said, I had a dream last night. And she said, I was in a church. And she began to describe the church. Your church has burgundy carpet, doesn't it? And he said, yes, it does. It has burgundy fabric on the pews. And he said, well, yes, it does. And it has white end caps on the end of the pews. And he said, yes, it does. It's got chandeliers on the ceiling. And, 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 she, and he said, yes, it does. He, he said, how do you know this? And she said, do you want to know how I know that you're the pastor of that church? She said, I've never been, but I had a dream last night. And in my dream, you were preaching. You were preaching from your pulpit. And as you were preaching, I was sitting in the pew. And all of a sudden, a man came in the back doors and walked up the aisle and sat right next to me. She said, as I was sitting there in my dream and I looked at this man, he began to look at me. And he said to me that this man is to be your pastor. And he disappeared. She said, and here you are, and as you were approaching my checkout line, I recognized you as the pastor and the preacher from this dream. And he he said, that woman, to make a long story short, came to the church that she and her husband were the business owners of the largest tire store in Lumberton, North Carolina. He said he baptized them in Jesus' name, that she and her husband were filled with the Holy Ghost. He said that she was a faithful member of their church from that day until the day she died. And he said even though they had tried, and even though they had outreach, and even though they had for years labored to grow their church, that from that day forward, that church from it went from a solid 90 people in attendance to within a year they were running 180. And what he came to declare and to decree is that sometimes when we've done everything that we can do, that's when God begins to do what only He can do. And what I've come to preach to somebody today is to tell you that you may be in some battles in life and the enemy's trying to get you mixed up and turned around. You may be in the storm and the winds are blowing, but I've got a word from the Lord. Come on somebody, for somebody today to let you know, come on, the battle is not over and the storm is not going to get 
get you. But if you will call upon the name of the Lord, come on, there's victory in that name. There's healing in that name. There's deliverance in that name. And whatever you may be up against, God's getting ready to release a heavenly host to get you through. Come on, somebody, can we just give the Lord some praise right now? Wherever you are and whatever you're going through, God's for you and God's with you and God's fighting your battles. And if you'll just open your eyes and look around. Every head bowed. If you'll just open your eyes and look around. I want to tell you today that there are more that are for you and with you than those who are against you. Every hand lifted in this place today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, there's a heavenly host here today. I feel the brush of angels' wings. I, I, I can see his glory on every face. Come on, there's healing in the house. There's deliverance in the house. There's victory in the may say, hey, that's just a small little church, and I'm just an insignificant person. I, I don't want to tell you, if, if the Lord is for you, then who can be against you? Come on, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Come on, if you love God, and you're called according to his purpose, come on, everything that happens to you, even though the enemy tried to work it out against you, God's going to turn it around for your good and for his glory. I feel faith rising up in this place right now. I wonder if anyone would step out of your aisle where you are and say, Lord, I want to fight on your team. I want to fight. I want you to fight on my battles. I want you to work in my life. Come on all over this place. Hallelujah. Come on, can we just lift our hands? Come on, I'm not trying to hype you or get you hysterical, but I want you to open your spiritual eyes and understanding to get you to see that there is no weapon formed against you. There is no storm that is formed against you. That if you're on the Lord's side that could ever defeat you. Come on, somebody, you need to just get a hold of some fresh faith. Come on, can we just lift our hands and lift our voices? Can we just begin to worship the Lord right now for the victory? Come on, can we just glorify the Lord? Come on, would you just...